Welcome to the Lowdown Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Kevin Scott. Here with me, as always, is Kyle Leith. How are you, Kyle? I'm doing all right. It's uh, been an interesting year. I can't say that there's ever been a fantasy era like that. And if you're playing in the high-stake leagues like we are, your playoffs are probably over. And in the larger fields, you're getting to the championship rounds. So because our seasons are basically over, we're not really going to be looking at waiver wires. We are going to be looking at a review of the season, what we have learned, and what we are taking away from things. And we're also going to be critical of ourselves. So since you guys have been following us all year, we're going to go over what we did right and what we messed up on with some brutal honesty. And hopefully we can all learn and become better players because of it. So, Kevin, start us off with some broad thoughts on the year. Yeah, and I think that's the key. Um, Hopefully this this episode is one that you can listen to and then maybe listen to again because I'm going to be reviewing... Uh, these these uh, learnings all off season. If you're not learning from your mistakes and your uh, the things you did right, um, there's no way you, you can improve as much as you would otherwise in fantasy. So it's something to to really review. I would recommend what what Kyle and I have done is reviewed our uh, our draft boards and our waiver activity and you know in detail to see where we hit, where we missed. And so what we're going to do is kind of dive in with our overall learnings, the big picture, these are the things we're going to remember going forward. And then uh, we're going to go kind of into the weeds after that and consider how we got to those learnings. So the first thing I wanted to say uh, for myself, something I've learned is, and I I feel like I learn this every year, I needed to work on diversification. Uh, One of the things that um, when I do projections and I look at, you know, I rank my players in the off season, um, I get uh, really excited about players. As examples, this year would be A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf. Those are a couple of my hits. I Darius just Geis. loved them so much. Right? Darius Geis, that's a negative uh, Sorry. guy I loved. No, and those are, that's important to know, and I had that written down. But um, you get guys you love, and uh, for me, I have a hard time when they're out of value not picking them. For example, if I'm in the, in the fifth round and Metcalf is still there this year, I just I had to pull the trigger. And th- that can be really good if you were right on a guy, but like with guys, it can kill you if you're wrong on a guy or he, you know, gets arrested. So just to work on not having too uh, heavy of a, uh, being too heavy in my portfolio, so to speak, on any, any certain players uh, is a goal of mine going forward. How about you? What's your first one? Well, I'm going to start with something even a little bit more broad than that, if it's possible. And that is just to take a massive step back as we review things. I mean, Kevin's going to obviously does this as well. And we say this in all sorts of industries. It's about the process, not the results. Now, the results are often a like indictment or an indication of how your process was. But NFL is a very small um, sample. You know, you got 16 games. That's it. So you evaluate yourself, but you have to be careful. So for me, I have my process. I evaluate it every offseason, but I make a conscious effort to not overreact to results or underreact to them. So if you feel like you made good, smart decisions, there's a good chance you did. And sometimes they work out and sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to throw everything that you've learned and done out the window because of a, because of a bad year but you don't want to ever discard things totally. So my first important thing is with each scenario where you feel like you messed up, you got to consider the cause and effect. And then how did that influence the outcome? So if you have a receiver that, you know, 
oh, I missed that guy that had 25 fantasy points and he must be great. I'm going to pick up on the waiver wire. And then if you look back at the highlights, you know, there was a blown coverage on an 80-yard touchdown and he was just horrible the entire game. That would be an example of, you know, not seeing, you know, the trees from the forest or the forest from the trees. You know, mm-hmm. pick your um, metaphor of choice. Yeah, that's good. And just focusing on, uh, I think that's really important what you said about not getting too focused on the results. Uh, because this is a game that when it comes down to it, uh, we have control over who we pick and how we approach it and our process. But we cannot control who catches passes or who gets given the ball. Um, so, uh, there is a lack of control, even though it's been defined as a game of skill, which I, I agree with, there's a lot of luck involved. Another one I have written down is, um, think about uh, a lot about the competition, um, uh, for a player, what they, they might face in their role, whether they have competition or not, whether it's high end competition. So how, basically how clear is a player's path to getting a high snap percentage a high target share in the offense or just a touch count in the offense so um, that's something that as I reviewed my hits and misses kept coming up again and again is this player I saw big things for um, but they didn't have a a clear enough path to the work or this player uh, I didn't see anything for and uh, they had a clear path They, they were the only option so they you know I should have seen more so sometimes I get too fixated on the talent and I don't look at the situation enough and talent, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword because talent in another one of my learnings is key, especially high-end talent. You got to pay attention to that, but uh, a situation matters as well. And I'm going to piggyback off that point a little bit. Um, so you're basically mentioning the concept of crowded backfields. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to take that more in the direction of agreeing with you there, but also thinking about coaching. Mm-hmm. and philosophy so there were there's always been teams where it's just gonna be a split backfield no matter what and people always think that this is the year that's going to change the coach speak makes you question it but it doesn't change and it doesn't matter about the talent at all everyone thought this was the year that peterson was gonna go and ride miles sanders no he believes in a backfield where the work is split, it's a philosophy. It does not matter. The same thing um, can be applied to coaches like, um, who's that genius from the Rams? McVay. Yes, quote-unquote genius. So it's not like college. In college, they always just play the most talented, most athletic guys. They don't really do that in the NFL. I want to say coaches are like just incredibly dumb sometimes. Maybe that's just my fantasy side talking to me and they got, you know, geniuses in the back or upstairs. But for me, if I am looking at teams in the future, I want to spend more time evaluating the coaching staff and the coaching staff philosophy, particularly with running backs. The idea that the cream rises to the top isn't always true. And... Mm that can just kill the upside or the situation. And I fell into that trap as did many other people. Um, Cam Akers was one. The whole Miami backfield was uh, possibly one that just, they had so many injuries that they couldn't even, you know, mess it up. Mm-hmm. But there's a, there's a long list that we're probably going to go through in our hits and misses about how coaching 
can just be so disappointing, man. Yep. I have two, two of my learnings are about coaching. One is one says avoid fickle coaching. And I mentioned Shanahan, Belichick and McVeigh. You think about uh, Mostert, you know, Mostert <clears throat> should be their lead dog getting 80% of the touches. He doesn't. They, they put in, you know, these poo poo backs because Shanahan likes them. Uh, Belichick, they should, he should be giving goal line carries for goodness sakes to Damian Harris. I mean, Damian Harris was one of my top drafted guys because I saw that he was the best back in the backfield, but he wants Cam Newton to run it. I mean, if if it's not Cam Newton doing it, then he's, you know, sticking in, um, you know, James White or somebody else right at the wrong moment. Every year he does that. McVay, like you said. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. The second one thing I wrote is even like you said about Peterson, even if a coach says they're going to change, they will revert to their habits. And I thought of McCarthy as well. Uh, Pete Carroll, you know, he started out with the with the passing being much more heavy, and now he's reverted again. I mean, you see, they're going back to a heavy run scheme. So he does not like to cook. Yeah, I mean, you just have to base your plans off of what coaches have done, not what they say they're going to do. So you mentioned six coaches, and you didn't even get to Arians, who will completely bench uh, whoever the starting running back is after yep. one fumble yep. every game, and he's been doing it his entire career. Yeah, and it's interesting because some of these coaches are fine for other positions, right? Like Arians, you're fine starting all his receivers. He, he's not fluky with them, but you can't start his backs. But you, right. you have a guy like Shanahan, he'll do it to both of them. Remember Dante Pettis? I mean, I, I just oh. don't like him. He just benches them. You know, same thing with he, he does every to all the positions except Kittle. I mean, he loves Kittle. But yeah, you just have to be, that's why I called it fickle coaching. You just have to be really careful about these guys that, just kind of, I think it's it's like a syndrome. They think they're the smart, they're just smarter than everybody else. So we're, they're going to make these decisions nobody agrees with, and you know, just to show right. that they're smarter. That's how it seems to me. A good testing point is put in a coach's name into Google and then add in the words "doghouse" <laughs> after it. And if you get like ten pages of results, then you probably got a problem. Right. Yep. But you know, Arians just. Benches running backs. The quarter, the wide receivers can drop like five passes in a game. No big deal. But if you fumble the ball, you're done. Right. And uh, that can cost you an entire week. And at this point, I don't think anyone can argue that Ronald Jones is not the most important uh, or most talented back in Tampa Bay. Right. But here we are coming up on the championship weeks, and people are asking, do I start? Ronald Jones. <laughs> yeah, a, real, a good back on a good team. I mean, it should be a no-brainer. I but mean, it's not. And people are actually considered starting for net. I mean, this, <laughs> this is 2020, folks. Yep. You know, there there are things you cannot predict, and coaching staffs is one of them. Yep. Um, so moving on just slightly, another um, major point that I took away from the year was just how much injuries can matter. Now, mm-hmm. we all know injuries happen every year, but... I think this year was just like the injury apocalypse. I've never seen this many injuries. And what was different about this year was the injuries just crushed entire teams. Like it wasn't like, oh, this running back tore his ACL, the backup running backs in, get him off the waiver wire and you'll be fine. That That's not what happened in many spots. I mean, the best example is with Dallas. When Dak went down and you know, broke his ankle or however many things broke. It was just terrible. 
he wasn't the only player that got injured on that team. You might as well have just torn the ACL of the entire offense. Yeah, the line got hurt. and Well, I mean, every player became completely irrelevant. Right, right, yeah. So, But there was also other injuries. I mean, oh, the, yeah. and the, the number of went, injuries have the been The line crazy. went down, too. So, yeah. I mean, like, but now that, that, that team was just a total mess. But Same thing gen- with the Eagles, right? I mean, they lost their line, and then they just fall apart. Well, they lost everybody. And others, yeah. I mean... You can we can have a an hour long debate on like who's to blame like how much blame do we put on Wentz should he be benched? Um, probably the probably answer is yes, but is it his fault that he got where he was? And that is a much more loaded question mm-hmm. because his whole offense went down. He clearly lost all confidence. The coaching staff was a disaster. Um, he clearly can't run as well after his ACL injury, and I probably should have factored that in when when drafting him. Mm-hmm. But it was just so that's just another thing 2020 it's hard to plan for injuries i do think that we had so many injuries at least partly because of the way this year worked out i mean no training camp had to play a role because i don't see any other kind of reason why we would have this humongous number of injuries and you know you you hear about guys that um don't don't play for a couple weeks because of covid and they come back and and I heard a player talking about this the other day. They tackled somebody and it was like a shock to their body. Like what just happened, right? Their bodies build up a tolerance to getting hit and hitting and, you know, getting twisted in all sorts of ways. Like that's what training camp is for. And, you know, the stretching they do and the preparations they do. So I just think, you know, all of that played a huge role. And so I don't know that we'll ever see another season with this many injuries. I hope not. I'm not sure how you'd plan for it, if we, even if we would, though. I mean, how do you know? I'm going to sneak in one more. The most 2020 of them all was the Tyrod Taylor getting his lung yeah. collapsed on a, on a shot. Mm-hmm. And that changed the entire season. Tyrod goes down. Herbert comes in. He was not going to come in until midseason at earliest. All of a sudden, every single offensive weapon on the team is good, and you had it just changed everything. All of a sudden, you've got two wide receivers that are viable, a running game that is good again. It just, uh, those are the kind of thing, you know? People say it's a flip of a coin. Apparently, it's a stab of a needle that, <laughs> that can change an entire year. I wanted to mention one other learning, and that is that um, one of the things as far as building a team um I thought I've always thought for the past um, however many years, maybe 10 years as I've been building rosters that, you know, you have to hammer uh, running back and receiver uh, over and over and over, at least in the first half of the draft. And I still ascribe to that even more so. And now that we've had all these injuries, I feel like like um, if you don't have a very deep roster at running back and receiver, you can't go far. Or even if you're just in a single league, uh, you won't be as likely to win your championship. One thing that I feel like I really saw this year was the impact, though, that a high-end QB and high-end tight end can have on rosters. In the past, it feels like with tight ends, and that's something you were going to mention as well, that there was a lot of depth, and you could kind of stream it. I mean, you could pick tight ends off the wire and get your 10 points, and you're better off. This year, not so much. I mean, you guys like got guys like Hayden Hurst and um, Mike Kosicki taken in the middle rounds who would give you a donut every other week. Uh, you get, you know, same thing with quarterbacks. It's just been very hard to stream the position effectively. So 
I really feel like in next year, when I can, when it makes sense, I'm going to target a quarterback and a tight end in those first six, seven rounds, uh, maybe in the first couple for a tight end, um, th- as sort of my part of my draft plan, and where typically I wouldn't have done that. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think it's tricky, and it's year to year. I mean, this mm-hmm. was uh, the injury year for tight ends, and also the bust year for tight ends. When you look at just the just the tight ends out there all together, just if you make a list, we're at a kind of a turning point. A lot of the tight ends that have been good for a long time are getting old. Mm-hmm. A lot of the young ones, tight ends take several years to develop, are still young and aren't there yet. Also, there's been sort of a shift in how tight ends are being used in the NFL. They're not being used for receiving as much as uh, they were in previous years. They've been kept in the block more. Um, they've been put in motion. They're used as decoys. Um, the defenses have adjusted to tight ends. They now put, they now draft linebackers who are extra fast much earlier. There's much more emphasis on dealing with them. So pretty much unless you have one of those elite ones this year, um, you were in trouble. And if you had one of the elite ones, there's a one in three or one in four chance they had the wrong one. <laughs> Actually more like a one in four chance you had the right one. I mean, yeah. Kelsey was the only one. No, that's what I, that's what I meant. But I mean, yeah. Kelsey hit. Um, Kittle I have, didn't. Ertz K- didn't. Well, K- Kittle would have hit. I yeah. Mean, but I mean, injuries. Kittle's a first round pick next year for me, at least in um, uh, tight end premium tight end scoring. Premium. But yeah. Mark Andrews was a bust. Ertz, was a bust um we yeah, can just I mean, go down the list and hey, what, what's funny is we're going to bring up waller being uh, the tight end two on the year mm-hmm. he was a bust in half of his games man right he had the huge he, week this he, week people are going to remember his three monster games this year mm-hmm. and they're going to forget the fact that he went like three for 21 or worse on like half a dozen games yeah and yet i mean if you're going to get um you know uh, several boom weeks and you're going to have to deal with the low weeks with everybody probably except Kelsey and you know Kelsey's not going to go forever so we got to enjoy these last few years however many he's got left I mean I don't think he's going to repeat this season next year I mean he's at that age I mean he is a freak of nature but you never know but on your point of drafting tight ends early uh, this was probably the year where it would work I, I do think that the depth of the position will mean you probably can get a value in later rounds and I think everyone's going to do what um do what you were talking about and probably go early and higher for tight ends. I I would not be surprised if um Kelsey's like a top three pick next year. Yeah, in tight end premium, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or first round pick in non tight end premium even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I agree with you on the I think the quarterbacks are gonna be pushed up a little bit. And in general, I think this was one of those years where uh the zero RB crowd probably did not do well. You'll you'll see them on Twitter, like you know, pointing out those one or two teams that worked out. You know, usually they got um, you know Robinson on the waiver wire, and they 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 got lucky a little bit. But for the most part, there was not a lot of depth at running back, and there was a ton of depth at wide receiver. Yeah, and I guess what goes along with my overall point is that you can't. I don't think you're going to be consistently consistently successful going zero RB or zero wide receiver, anything like that. You need to hammer them both. We saw with all the injuries how important that is to have depth uh, and quality depth. And I guess all I'm saying is I'm gonna I'm not gonna definitely do it in every draft, but I'm gonna look to try to get a potential top five quarterback, even if I'm waiting till like round six. 
uh, to grab a guy with upside and a potential top five tight end because I see the the impact that can make. You could also say a guy like Logan Thomas was off the wire and he's been very consistent uh, or fairly consistent in the second half of the year. Um, so I know Man. that that's still possible, but your standards have really dropped. <laughs> it's a I challenge. Mean, I mean, if, if Logan Thomas is like that one bright spot at tight end, I mean, yeah. you're looking at a star from like billions of light years away. Yep. That's I been mean, that kind of year. Yeah. So as far, as far as uh, quarterbacks, I'd say some of my biggest hits as far as what I drafted, uh, what I can uh, grabbed a bunch of shares of would be Joe Burrow until he got hurt. Uh, I think the reason, uh, that I was right about him until he got hurt was that he had plenty of receiver talent around him. He had played in a pro style offense. So I thought he could handle uh, figuring out the playbook and he had some running skill. He's not uh, Lamar Jackson, but he can run it. He did run for a couple touchdowns. So I felt good about that pick. His volume was also probably the highest in the league when healthy. Yeah. I mean, threw, he was throwing throw like 50, yeah, 60 behind, times right? a game. Yeah. Right. And which mm-hmm. was like, you'd think AJ green would like, you know, do well off of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 60 targets he's got to catch something right yeah we had Wrong. the we had the uh blow up of, of higgins i mean he at least came on the scene so that's good he higgins but. was definitely a bright spot in a very dark year mm-hmm. for cincinnati yeah other than that I, uh I'll, I'll just say a couple more and then you can talk about your quarterbacks the only other two that like I said, uh, trying to get a top five guy. Um, obviously, I took Mahomes in a couple leagues where I could get him in the third. Uh, I didn't want him in the second just because I wanted that second round pick. And when I got him in the third, it worked out. Neither of those teams uh, in the FFPC where I got him in the third ended up winning big, but they both almost did. Uh, they both almost won their league. And it just was so nice to have a consistent 25 to 30 point guy. The other guy was Deshaun Watson. That's the kind of pick that I, I think really paid off this year, that sixth, uh, fifth to eighth round quarterback pick, right? You had Russell Wilson, Dak, until he got hurt, um, Deshaun, and Kyler, all in that section, and uh, gave you that potential top three quarterback with the running upside. And those are the guys to target, man. That's it's definitely a learning. I still think sometimes you can have that, um, that value quarterback fall to you, but it, it's not a uh science there's there's no magic you just gotta you know they don't hit at the high rate that people think so if you can get that you know guaranteed result absolutely um the quarterbacks i hit on were dak prescott i'm giving him credit he Mm -hmm. was on a record pace for passing yards yeah by like 700 yards he was gonna beat the record if he was on if he kept his current pace because the dallas defense was terrible they're they're allowing 40 points a game scoring 40 points a game it was just perfect until that injury and ouch. Mm-hmm. The other one was Josh Allen. I'm going to give myself partial credit for it. Cause I said um, in our quarterbacks episode that I thought he was a bad quarterback, but a fantastic fantasy mm-hmm. quarterback. I you thought did. that his running upside would get him there. And I admit that the results were correct for me. He had a great year, mm-hmm. but I admit that I was completely wrong about him being a bad quarterback, I I am shocked by how much better he has gotten this year. Yeah, all but, of the but sudden you wrong. he's got he's gotten accurate suddenly. Yeah, rel- rel- relatively that is, but he improved. You know, I mean, that's the thing he, you were right about him. He was not a good quarterback, and you saw in the playoffs he completely choked it away. So he also had a mental issue going on. The dude must have just worked harder than anybody else this off season. I mean, both mentally and and you know working on his 
uh, fundamentals. He looks like a totally different quarterback, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I was happy I got him a bunch, but I was just, I I didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. I, I saw either. results. I didn't see results because of passing. I thought he would have more running yards and running touchdowns. I expected Desir to be closer to Kyler Murray's than it is what he's currently doing. Mm-hmm. Which leads us to who did we get wrong at quarterback? Kevin, you want to start? Sure. Yeah. Um, were there any players before I, I go on to who uh, who I got wrong that you didn't draft, uh, and you're glad you didn't draft? Uh, for me, as far as quarterbacks, that's that's uh, Lamar Jackson. Um, I didn't draft him because I saw uh, regression was inevitable. Um, not that he was going to be bad, but he's not going to be worth a second round pick or third round pick. Was there anybody like that for you that you're glad you avoided? Brady. Okay. Um, Brady, uh, Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because of age. Is that why you avoided him? Uh, I avoided Breeze due to age mainly. I thought mm-hmm. his arm was starting to go. Um, I do feel you were on him a little bit, but the reasons you were on him, I think, actually applied this year. I, I just think that a lot went wrong with that that team overall. That couldn't really be foreseen. Um, but I, I was off most of the really late round guys, and I mean, I, I was on Teddy Bridgewater a little bit. Uh, but that was more of like a panic pick really late in drafts. Yeah, I was. I mean, I think he's a fine late. I mean, we're t- we got him in like the 17th round. He's been fine. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't bad. But the main guy I probably avoided was uh, Tom Brady. And I wasn't that high on um, on Cam, which was a mistake, I guess. Mm-hmm. But we're, yeah. we're getting to that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so the, the players that I drafted, the quarterbacks that I drafted that I did not, that I wish I would not have. Uh, mainly that comes down to Carson Wentz for me. Uh, in so many drafts, I was pushing off um, quarterback until the 10th or 11th, uh, assuming or hoping to get Wentz because I felt like he was undervalued, <laughs> which is funny right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was going about the same time as Matt Ryan and that that group, and I felt like he was he had more upside than them because I'd seen him be effective running the ball and had, he had flashed, especially a couple of years ago, really high end uh, uh, potential. So yeah, I regret drafting him because he has fallen apart this year. It's it's you're right that it's a mixture of coaching and other things, injuries and stuff like that. But a lot of it, when you watch him on tape, it is just horrid quarterback play. He is not reading the defense well. He's jumping around in the pocket instead of making a decision and going with it. Um, he's like got happy feet like crazy. So I don't know how he's regressed so badly, but that was a miss. Um, for me, Wentz was my uh, one of my biggest mistakes as well. I was honestly on him quite a lot. He actually put up a decent fantasy season considering how terrible he was. Mm-hmm. But I guess, I guess my question was, was there any signs that we should have picked up on before the season mm-hmm. that would have given this way? Or maybe we got it wrong. But that was just due to factors that happened during the season before the draft or or that happened after the draft that we couldn't actually prepare for. So for me, I'm a little bit mixed. I I, I'll say that I probably undervalued his um, his running ability and how it would be hampered by the torn ACL. It seems like even at the start of the season and in previous years after the ACL injury. He's been a little bit more hesitant to run from his from his better year. But I, I did not see any of the other re- regression. The offense, when healthy, looked really good from afar. I'm wondering if our evaluation was correct and everything went wrong, 
or if there was some sort of sign out there that we just completely missed? For me, I think it's a mixture when I look back at it, because some of the things that have led to his downfall were not um, apparent until after the season started, so we could not have seen them. But we did, we maybe did miss some of the um, potential uh, red flags. And one of those things that pops out to me is that Eagles did not invest very much in upgrading their their skill position group. Um, they they st- planned to start or, or or to have this season starting Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey on the outside. Um, that's not acceptable. Those guys are old, and I know that they maybe still have a teeny bit left in the tank. If you're depending on those guys and and Ertz and, and, and Ertz, who's also kind of old, and they have shown that they're not big on him, and a rookie to consistently move the ball, um, you're gonna you're gonna have a hard time. The other thing I thought of is uh, the, the offensive line. Now this happened early in the off season when they lost Brandon Brooks. He's their all pro, I think, left guard or right guard, a great offensive lineman. And then right before the season, there was still talk about their left uh, tackle. Um, dealing with that ankle injury. So, uh, Lane Johnson? Lane Johnson, yeah. So we, yeah. Or I guess maybe right tackle, one of the two. We could have thought, hey, you know, their line is looking bad. And I remember when Brandon Brooks went down, there was a lot of talk about, well, this line is not the same line without Brooks. But that's hard to, to feel like, <clears throat> you know, Wentz is going to regress just because of a couple linemen. But maybe it was a sign. I mean, Cincinnati's line is awful. And, uh, you know, you still saw good numbers from Burrow. So yeah. I, I guess it's all relative. It's true. I mean, that's why it really was probably impossible um, unless we had seen something in Wentz's game, like that he just sucks now, which I, I hadn't seen before this year. I mean, he was rated pretty highly across the board. There wasn't anyone saying like anyone of note that I can remember saying like he's going to fall off a cliff. Like mm-hmm. everyone was aboard the Eagles having a good offense this year. So my first quarterback that I got wrong, and this is a big one, um, we discussed this player at length, and I don't know how wrong I was, but we were torn on him, and uh, that was Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. Now, during the offseason, I said that his upside is immense, and that his year would come down to, will the Cardinals play faster? Because they played slow at the end of last year. And would he be willing to run the ball more? I mentioned that during the second half of last year, he started to run the ball a little bit. Mm -hmm. He barely scrambled at all for the first half of last year. He started to do it more. But no one saw, like, what looks like, he's like, he probably get 1,000 yards this year. Yeah. He's already got, what, 12 rushing touchdowns? Something ridiculous? So I did not see that coming. I, I said that he had a potential ceiling, but for me, when I saw people drafting him in the fifth or the sixth, I took a stand and said, no way. Mm -hmm. If he went to the seventh round, I'd I'd probably auto take him for the upside. But for me, I went Dak over Murray every time. I don't know if that was a mistake, but I sure as heck regret having like no Murray right now because he was a key to winning a lot of fantasy leagues. Yeah. Yeah. I got him in only a couple of leagues and I agree. I was, I was waiting if I ever got him. I did not like the fifth round price tag, but, um, yeah, it's it one of those for people that did. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things. It's not they weren't wrong, uh, but we see here in the latter half of the year, um, he's not producing at the same clip. But they, yeah, people got out of him what they needed to get out of him. You could also argue, though, what did they give up in that round? And I mean, I, d- I don't think you got Dak wrong. People who took Dak, that was a good pick. And you can't predict <clears throat> that kind of injury. So 
Um, same kind of thing for me with Russell Wilson. Um, I missed him. Didn't take him in one draft because he was going in that sixth, seventh round area. And I felt like that because the Seahawks have always been, you know, a rush heavy offense. He, I knew he'd have his 30 point weeks, but I thought he's going to have so many 15 points, uh, 15 point weeks that I can, I can take a guy later, um, and get just as much out. It turned out at least for the first half, they really did change their offensive philosophy. And I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Absolutely. Well, now with Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, I still think there is time for the paint to dry and see what happens with them. It seems like, uh, defenses have adjusted to Murray. They, um, they haven't really let him rush the ball. They're keeping him in the pocket better. He's been rather porous the last, you know, three or so games. So all these teams that went undefeated during the regular season lost in the playoffs with Murray. Um, friend of the show, the Guilds, had a rather porous finals week because of Murray, even though he dominated the regular season. And I mean, he dominated the regular season. But, you know, when your best players fail you at the worst times, that can happen. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what happens with Murray the rest of the way. And I'm curious to see whether Russell will do what he did last year, this year. Mm-hmm. And last year, he, he, last year, he was the highest scoring, or not the highest, but like the third highest scoring quarterback for the first half of the year. And then just was like quarterback 23 from like week 10 on or something like that. Yeah. And uh, it looks like that's possibly going to happen again. We'll have to wait and see. But the return of Chris Carson has given me a little bit of pause before I judge myself too harshly on these guys. And that could also be related. You see a lot of teams do that when the weather turns cold, right? They start running it more. It could be that. I mean, if you you get those first eight to ten weeks with super high-end point scoring from a quarterback, you'll take it. Because, you know, to win in the playoffs, you got to have really great Backs you, have and to receivers. Get, you have to get there. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'm just trying to make myself feel better for missing <laughs> out on Murray. I mean, that, that was painful. Yeah. But how about running back? Who did you hit on? Um, My biggest hits were sort of on like who I didn't take. Uh, for me, I take more pride in avoiding guys mm-hmm. than I do on getting them. Now, I kind of hit on Dalvin Cook and uh, Kamara. I didn't have a lot of Kamara, but that's because I never drafted fourth or fifth. But every single time he was there, I took him, and that looks smart. Now, I don't think it looks smart right now because of the quarterback situation, but I, I thought that pick worked out. Uh, Dalvin Cook worked out, and that was just sort of me being stubborn and not willing to uh, reach at such an early draft pick. So my own stubbornness sort of forced me into proper, strong running back plays. Uh, other guys I had, a lot of that turned out really well were Aaron Jones and uh let me think that was about it I did not have a good year at running back yeah a a few that I thought of that um that I took a lot of that worked out were Nick Chubb and when I thought of him um he's one I thought of him I I think it worked because I in this case healthy of course yeah yeah, when, when he was healthy he's been good when he's been on the field and again you can't predict injuries I think it worked because he's an elite talent and I think everybody was talking up Kareem Hunt and I I was not scared off by Hunt I, and I didn't take any Hunt because uh, being a Chiefs fan, I watched a lot of Hunt. He's a good player, but he's not as good at, not even close to as good between the tackles as Chubb is. And you've seen that. I mean, when they, some Hunt's had some good games, but when they get comparable carries, uh, Chubb is the better back. 
Uh, so that's worked out. Josh Jacobs, same kind of thing. Second round pick. Uh, typically, I thought he had a had upside to really produce this year. When he's been out there, he's done a, a good job generally. I agree. Aaron Jones was a hit for me. And then another guy a little later was um, Antonio Gibson. I was going to mention him. Yeah, Gibson. Um, the reason I, I think that was a smart pick, and then I'm talking about later in the draft season when, you know, once Geis was gone and Peterson was gone, you just saw this guy, even though we've never seen him do it, he's an athletic freak from what we saw at the combine. The coaches were talking him up. And like I mentioned earlier, he had a clear path to being the top of the depth chart. There was so little resistance. You got a guy like Peyton Barber and whoever else they had. It's like this guy should become the starter within a few weeks. And so, you know, I took him in a lot in the seventh round, eighth round, that range, and that just really paid off. I mean, this is also, you know, the world punishing me for drafting so early on. Um, But once Geis went out, I started um, noticing Gibson and he went on my board. I was taking him in the late fifth. Uh, like the week before the season, mm-hmm. so which seemed early, but it was smart. It was. I, I it kind of pained me inside. Like I was asking myself, why am I still doing this? Why am I drafting this late in the year, getting guys like Gibson who other people had in the eleventh? Right. So that was uh, you know, something where I was doubting the pick, but the situation was right, as you said. And once again, NFL coaching sucked enough that it's still even in the perfect situation took till about week six before he you know started to get the carries that he deserved Mm -hmm. yeah and one other guy throughout is ronald jones we mentioned him earlier Uh, i feel like i was right about him Uh, he's the most talented back there even with fournette Uh, i saw that he could pop and he really has and if arians would give him the work i think he could be a top 10 back so i'll take credit for that even though it hasn't always panned out he's gotten me a few big weeks so it is what it is i just imagine him if he was like the starter for um like Carolina, all those touches he could get. Yeah, I mean, put him in uh, Minnesota instead of Cook. I mean, the guy's going to be or Tennessee. He's not a great pass catcher compared to Cook, but really good runner, strong runner. How about guys that you uh, you didn't draft that you wish you would have? Any of those? Oh boy. Um. Yeah. Derrick Henry. Yeah. That that's the main guy. I mean, uh, he was sort of in a weird spot in the draft where I was usually trying to take Kelsey or Thomas, uh, you know, I was worried about him holding up and, uh, I was worried about his pass catching usage and, uh, he, he just put up some monster games. And one thing people, he's really good, man. One thing people forget is it's okay to have those low scoring weeks. If you have those like high point weeks, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're not going to win uh, fantasy weeks when every player scores like 10 to 15 points it's better to have that guy put up 30 and then put up five mm-hmm. it's those spike weeks that you get from one or two people each week that that makes your team win uh typically so yeah. i i think i uh, discounted his pass catching a little bit i was sort of just worried about the system i was worried about wear and tear one year older he was in the playoffs last year so we had even more carries and more wear on the body and uh, I think uh, the schedule looked pretty brutal at times, especially early on in the year. So I was worried about that because of COVID. So it was a it was a miss by me. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the bus that I was right about, though, people I avoided that I, I was happily um, um, to avoid were um, Sanders was one and Clyde Edwards Hilaire were two people I avoided. 
And I, I think we both avoided Le'Veon Bell and Fournette. Mm-hmm. And I'd mm-hmm. say that was pretty sharp and worked out. I also avoided David Johnson. I feel like Le'Veon and, and Fournette and David Johnson all kind of fit into that you know, age concern, uh, either a new team or just like not, not as dynamic as it used to be. I'd throw in Gurley too, but he, he really salvaged actually a pretty darn good season because of so many touchdowns. Even though he looked terrible most of the year, he did get in the end zone when it mattered. Yeah. As far as that's how I was going to mention my misses, I didn't really have any players that I uh, I should have drafted, but I didn't in backs that I thought of, but I had a ton that I drafted, but I should not have. Absolutely. And that, that, that did include Todd Gurley. I should not, even though he did salvage it, he's done, man. And you can see the oh, second yeah. half here. He's done. I, I drafted a ton of Miles Sanders. Same. I regret that. Um, I drafted Darius Geis. I obviously, I don't know that that was avoidable. And I feel like if he was in the same role that Gibson is in, he would also be doing well. So that's one of those. I don't know how to learn from it, but um, just besides not being too heavy on guys. Don't draft um, people that go to jail. <laughs> right, exactly. Joe Mixon is another one. Um, I was very upset at having him on my team pretty much all season. Just totally ineffective when he was out there and so injury prone. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess on that one, what you can learn is maybe don't take backs on bad teams that are going to be behind all the time. Right. I think Mixon is still an elite talent, but you might disagree with me there, but he got hurt and uh, the situation was not prime uh, for a breakout kind of scoring year of like a top round pick. Mm -hmm. I mean, he put up uh, top round pick numbers last year because at the end of the year, they just wrote him 25 times a game probably just because they wanted to run out the clock in the year so they could go and draft Burrow. Right. Now that they had Burrow, they were throwing it 60 times and saying the heck with it. So even if Mixon was out there, I don't think his usage would have been the same. Yeah. So. They got to improve overall as a team before he's going to be a worth a worthwhile asset. I, I also miss big time on Matt Breida. Um, I thought, you know, hey, he's going to a new team. He's he's uh, fast and, you know, whatever. He's going to be the starter because I didn't have anyone else there that I could see. And then you get Miles Gaskin coming out of nowhere and just way better than Brita. Uh, again, I don't know. The only thing I've learned from that is don't assume you know who the starter is going to be when a guy shifts teams. If, if a coach hasn't showed you he loves a guy, uh, then don't assume he's going to love the guy. Um, uh, Cam Akers, as you already mentioned, he's on my list here. Um, the re- the only thing I can say about him is McVeigh, man. Coaches, when they spread carries around or they don't trust rookies, uh, pay attention to that. Be careful not to to draft them. And I'll throw out Mark Ingram for me. I I mean, during the running back podcast, I I mentioned like ten red flags with him on why not to pick him, and you know he was just there in like the sixth and seventh, and I. And I'd often not listen to my own advice. Mm-hmm. So I'd go with him or Dobbins. And Dobbins is clearly the superior back, but, you know, Gus Edwards probably gets more usage than both of them half the time. So that, that's one of those situations where I knew it was going to be a crowded backfield. I knew it was going to be complicated. In theory, I understood that Dobbins could take over or Ingram could just hold the role, you know, have a league winning year at a great value. But it was one of those situations where I jumped into it and I just didn't need to. So that right. was just, you know, self-harm that did not need to be done. So Yeah, I, I also took, I did not take uh, Ingram at all, but I took Dobbins in a few leagues and I feel the same way. Even though he is the better back and he's shown these flashes, I feel like 
it just wasn't worth it. Uh, you know, sixth, seventh round pick, I could have gotten somebody way better. Um, it's one of those hard things where you, you feel like, well, maybe the coach will see the talent. And that's what we were talking about earlier. Believe that the coach is going to do what the coach has always done. And lately, in the past few years at least, Harbaugh has shown he loves committees. So it doesn't matter if you have a guy who's clearly better. He wants a committee. Same thing with Peterson. I mean, he's throwing Boston Scott out there. Ugh. And it's clear if you watch that Miles Sanders is way better, like dynamic. Doesn't matter. He loves committees. Aaron so Jones just, recently. Yeah, I mean, and Aaron Jones. Uh, that's just so painful, man. It's it's like a little bit less bad because at least he always gets a little more than half the carries, but it's it's still painful. Yeah. I'm not even sure he got the majority of the carries last two weeks. I mean, he's so good. I mean, Jamal Williams is no slouch. It's just yeah. Aaron Jones is just on another level. Um, yeah. Would you say that situation with Dobbins and Ingram is comparable to Singletary and Moss? I know they were going about a round or two later, uh, depending on the time of year, but that was another situation where I, I think I, I jumped in a little bit. I kind of tried to avoid but yeah. in hindsight, it was like, why did I put myself out there uh, outside of those zero RB strategies where I was desperate? It, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely comparable because of the, well, one of them will probably take over, right? I mean, I don't know that, uh, you know, Dayball and whoever else runs that offense has a committee, you know, bent or not. But, um, yeah, we didn't know. Like, so I remember taking Moss in one of my drafts late thinking, well, maybe he'll take over. The same thing with, like, Brita. Um, and Jordan Howard, well, maybe maybe he'll be the the main guy. Like, don't do that. Just avoid those backfields whenever you can. And that's why it's so important not to try for specific types of drafts like zero RB. Like, you gotta hammer that at least a couple backs early, in my opinion, because if you otherwise you're just like hoping to get lucky. You know, like oh, if I get lucky and Dobbins becomes the guy, or you know, Breeder becomes the guy, I'll be good. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to play and hope to get lucky. Now, if you're doing those big GPP formats or those mega best balls or FFPC, we totally get it. Yeah. I got to say that I took plenty of risks in FFPC. Some of that, sometimes they worked out. Oftentimes they blew up in my face, but if you're doing a closed league in particular, these mm-hmm. are, these are headaches you can just yeah. uh, avoid. And I think that was the big lesson is um but i'll add one last detail for running backs and that is this was a year with no training camp so it made this year 10 times harder you mm-hmm. know everything was just like you know some sort of leaks or just rumors or general coaching statements but there was no training camp or the right. or it was such a short and abbreviated one they only had like three or four practices with pads there was no uh no preseason yeah, so but when, those are when, like, you know, if you're a sharp player, that's when you figure things out. That's when you you, you kind of get the the sense of, of the world. And without that, you, you're running extra blind. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if you're running blind, well, why, why carry a pair of scissors, you know? Yep. It was just not smart a lot of the times to take those chances when there were guys with uh, guaranteed workloads. Right. And a lot of those guys got hurt, and you can't help that. But it's still smart to take those obvious workloads early. Yeah, I mean, McCaffrey, Barkley. Right. I'm just looking down the list. Mixon, <laughs> Sanders got hurt. All uh, of them. Drake Eckler, got hurt. Everybody got hurt. Eckler got hurt. Jacobs has missed several weeks. Uh, Eckler, as you said. Chubb has missed half the year. Uh, James Conner was out a couple of weeks. Or even if he wasn't, he was just irrelevant. 
Uh, Fournette <laughs> got traded multiple times. Uh, Gurley's knees have been messed up. Uh, David Johnson's missed multiple weeks. Melvin Gordon got like, you know, he's been off the field because of his stupidity. Uh, Jonathan Taylor was on the field, but, you know, he got benched for a bit. Le'Veon Bell was out. Uh, Chris Carson missed weeks. So what I just did there is I named one, two, three, four. Uh, that, that's like the top 15 uh, running backs drafted total. Now, the only people I didn't name were McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke, Kamara, and Henry. Every other play, and oh, and CEH. So that's six guys out of about 18 that did not miss multiple weeks. Well, McCaffrey did. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, McCaffrey and Barkley. Yeah, yeah. You said that. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, so it was just Zeke, Kamara. Cook actually missed a couple, missed a week, and then he had a bye, and then he missed half a game, so I'm going to count him. Yeah, there's not many. It, Zeke, so, Kamara, Henry, uh, that's about it. Yeah, like that's the flip side, right? So people will say back, well, they all got hurt, so why would I take a back early? And I, I totally get that. Uh, but the fact is this year is unlike any other. So if you take from this year, like, okay, I'm not going back early. I'm going to go all receivers because you got all these exciting ones. A.J. Brown and Justin Jefferson and D.K. Mackham. I'm going to go all receivers. Like, fine, but you're going to have crap backs, you know? And that's and that's what I'm saying. Like, don't learn from this that you should avoid running backs. We also this- just gave the argument of the zero RB crowd. But now let's just do the same thing super quickly. Uh, Devonte Adams, multiple week injury. Julio Jones, been injured a lot. Um, Godwin, injured a lot. DJ Moore, injured. Evans was injured. Allen Robinson was out for a bit. Kenny Galladay's missed half the year. Uh, Calvin Ridley missed multiple weeks. Odell Beckham is gone. Um, Cortland Sutton done for the year. DJ Chark missed about several weeks. Um, Parker missed multiple weeks. Um, so that's like just about yeah. the same percentage. Yeah. So I think the, the short version is, is that if you actually look at injuries to positional players, they're about the same at quarterback. I mean, about at a running back and wide receiver the last couple of years, the whole rumor that running backs get hurt more than receivers is a myth. Yeah. It's slightly higher, but it's not like this drastic thing. Like take a, take a wide receiver like Michael Thomas and it's money in the bank. <laughs> He's been out too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and that was actually a talking point. You saw that article everywhere. I know you saw the article where it said Michael Thomas is the safest pick in this year's draft. Mm-hmm. And you know that's uh, one of those uh, freezing cold. It takes. could have even been true, but it didn't work out. Oh, you can't not. bank on in- injury, not injury. Continuing about, with wide receiver, who yeah, did you get receivers? Right? Yeah, who did you hit? Okay, I hit on. Deontay Johnson. He was on all of my main event teams. I had him everywhere. And even he busted on me because he got injured on four separate games, leaving the game early two times for exactly 1.8 fantasy points. Mm-hmm. But he was a hit. Metcalf was a hit. And the hits that I'm most proud of were um, John Brown and Brandon Ayuk. Mm-hmm. So those were guys that I was heavy on that, you know, I, I feel like I got much more than other people. And at very good value. How about yourself? Yeah, biggest hits were AJ Brown and DK Metcalf because um, I had them so many leagues and they really paid off, especially Metcalf. Um, other than that, Allen Robinson, I had on a lot of teams. Adam Thielen on a lot of teams. Although they both, you know, had a couple injuries, they've both been very consistent overall. Also, Deontay for me. 
Uh, those are probably my my biggest. The only other thing you, you mentioned, Ayuk, I also would throw in there C.D. Lamb, especially for the first half, and Michael Pittman for the second half. All three of those guys were highly drafted or fairly highly drafted rookies. Uh, what I'd call high end talent with with pretty good quarterback situations to good, very good, and without that much competition. And that's one of that the main learnings I had mentioned earlier. When you see high end talent, or maybe I didn't mention it, but when you see high end talent and they have a good QB and there's not that much competition on the depth chart, those are guys to target. Um, and that those really worked out. On the flip side of that, Justin Jefferson fits perfectly with that scenario. High end talent, good quarterback, not much competition, almost no competition. And I missed him. So same. for some reason, you know, it, it just it, same thing could be said for Rager. Um, I, I drafted him and he did not pan out. So it doesn't always work. But those three did work. I have to question myself why I was so on Rager in a more crowded wide receiver group than I was um, in Jefferson. At, going on Jefferson and uh, Diggs, uh, who actually kind of correlate because they, you know, one took the other person's job, sort of, mm-hmm. were my two biggest misses by a country mile. Yeah, me too. And we the Jefferson one is the one that really, really hurts him. You pointed out that he basically walked in to Diggs's job. Diggs was getting a ton of targets. He's a similar type player, probably more athletic, not quite as good of a route runner. And I just uh, avoided him. I was sort of thinking like they're not going to pass the ball that much. Right. Exactly. But even if he throws the ball, even if Cousins throws the ball 30 times a game, Let's say 12 of those targets go to Thielen. That's still 18 targets. And Who else they going to go to? <laughs> I mean, let's say three to four to, you know, uh, Kyle Rudolph. That leaves about 14 left. And maybe five, six of those would go to, like, Chad Beebe or, or random Cook. or Dalvin Cook. But there was definitely room for this guy to mm-hmm. get eight, eight to ten targets. And, uh yeah, that I was uh, that was a miss on my part. I think the only reason I missed it was like you said, you you think of Minnesota as a rushing offense, and Thielen's already there. Blah blah blah. I also was never real high on Diggs while he was there because it seemed like Thielen was the better buy. Right. But but yeah, I, it's a total miss because the the volume was there, man. Also, I think there's like a, you know sort of sexier kind of picks around him for wide receiver, like just just picks that just sort of jumped off the page at you more. Um, going in that sort of range where he was going besides, uh, Rieger, who was the more explicit guy was Jamison Crowder was very talked up. Um, Jerry Judy was picked higher and uh, people were high in the offense. So obviously that didn't work out. Um, Sterling Shepard, John Brown, those are the kind of guys going in that same range. So yeah. it just, when you really... got a high end potential, you know, like, like I said, highly drafted potential, high end talent and a path to, to work. Always go that guy because a guy like Sterling Shepard and Jameson Crowder, yeah, they can get some targets for PPR, but they are not high end talent. We've seen what they can do; they're just they're just volume plays. You yeah, know? And if you got Jefferson, you got a league winner, right? Um, exactly. Back to uh, Ayuk or Ayuk for one second, he's he, he actually hasn't been a league winner. I, I think if you have him in Dynasty, you are in great shape. If you had him during this year, he was playable a couple weeks. And the weeks where he was going to be best, he had a false positive COVID test, knocking him out of the Thursday night game, which probably would have won a lot of people the year. So the, yeah. the, the, you remember that week where Debo was out mm-hmm. and Kittle was out, and he's going to be the only viable guy. And then yeah. they called him out with COVID. Ah. Yep. Uh, 2020. Um, yep. The other guy that I missed on, 
or, or, or the guys that I picked that I was just dead wrong about. There was only a couple. Um, I was dead wrong on two people, and it was age-related mistakes on my part. Tell me it's AJ Green. That is one of two. Yeah, that's one of mine. Can you guess the other one? Uh, you, you may be thinking T.Y. Hilton. Yes, but now all of a sudden T.Y. Hilton's looking better. Right. He's had two brilliant weeks in a row, and I'm probably going to be starting him in the championship rounds. <laughs> yep, I'm in the same you boat. Know, like, where, where the hell was he? His, his mother was, his grandmother was tweeting at him. Like, I didn't, <laughs> like, were you even on the field? His grandmother. That's so embarrassing. His grandmother and mother I, I were he, calling him out on Twitter I th- during the year. I think Hilton, his excuse is that he's first time with Rivers. Um, they had to get on the same page. That's the only thing I can figure. Yeah, well, the only other thing I can see beside that is Pittman. So if Pittman uh, coming into his own has opened up defenses and room for Hilton, maybe that's helped him. Maybe he is couldn't it, handle the double teams at his age. What's Hilton's nickname? Ghost. Yeah, that's what he was. Yep. Yeah, he was a ghost. Yeah, like, I mean, A.J. Green final, makes final Hilton look like a superstar, though. Oh, my God. Absolutely um, terrible. Were, were we right or wrong on Marquise Brown? What, what, where did you have him? I didn't have, I had him on a miss. I was totally wrong on him. I don't think he's, I don't necessarily think it's because he's bad. Uh, I think that Lamar Jackson is not a good thrower of the football. He's a fine quarterback. He's not a good deep ball thrower. He's not an anticipation thrower. They actually mentioned it on the broadcast uh, the other night. If Lamar doesn't see a guy come open, he doesn't throw it. He doesn't throw it ahead of the break like the good quarterbacks do. Um, because he can't, he can't anticipate and see what the defense is doing well enough yet. Maybe he will at some point, but because he's not good enough, Brown wasn't good enough. Well, that, that's where the whole team went wrong. This is just a side, just a sort of a side. What Lamar Jackson had happened this year was they tried to turn him into a pocket passer, and teams realized this. They stopped, you know, having to worry about you know shadowing him as much because he just wasn't running the ball as much. So they were treating him like a pocket passer, and because of that, more zones, fewer guys were coming open, and that caused problems. So basically, they took Lamar Jackson, took away his biggest strength, made him something he wasn't, and of course, the team fails because of it. All of a sudden, the read option is no longer, you know, being balled for, because pe- they, they knew that Lamar wasn't going to keep it most of the time, because he was barely running the ball at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. So they made him just, they ruined him for the most part, because no one was open because he wasn't running. Right. Last year, he had so many touchdowns, he was so efficient because guys were wide open. Right. Teams were just was scrambling. They thought he was going to run every play. Yep. Now, if you saw that a little again, bit against the Cowboys the other night. I mean, he, he was uh, running so much that when he did throw it, especially that one touchdown pass, the guy was wide were open. wide open. I yep. mean, it wasn't that complicated. I mean, we were both talking up uh, like Greg Roman deserving a starting quarter, I mean, a starting coaching job because of his... Uh, how well he's been doing, but you know, after this year, I question it just a, just a teeny bit. Yep. Um, any other tight end? I mean, any other wide receivers that you missed on? For me, I, I think I said uh, I was going to mention Diggs and Keenan Allen. Yep. Um, I think my process wasn't too terrible. Uh, my reasoning for not liking either of them was I wasn't confident on the quarterback play or them getting enough targets. Right. Yep. And I was wrong on both fronts. Yep. I missed on Diggs, Jefferson, and then I'd also throw in Robbie Anderson. I didn't I didn't see him. I didn't know about his history with the coach from Rutgers. Uh that really has, I think, played a factor. But he's been um, you know, 
the number one option for most of the season over DJ Moore, which I just absolutely did not see coming. Um, guy, so there got, were f- go ahead. So we got DJ Moore wrong too. Yeah, except that he's actually produced okay. I mean, he's yeah. been a top just fifteen guy ish. Um, not a third round pick expectation, I guess. Yeah, I mean, third, fourth, I think he's been okay. It's not like he's a bust. Uh, I, I didn't even put him on either list because I felt like he's fine. I mean, he, he paid off enough that it was okay. Um, guys, I'm glad I did not draft receivers. I include, obviously, Juju. I'm, I'm the Juju hater. He, he had a few fine weeks, but he's not that good. I was glad I didn't draft him. Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, um, Miko Hardman, all these guys are kind of uh, one-trick ponies. Or did not have a clear enough path, um, or had a bad quarterback in Judy's case. You know, there are some red flags there that a lot of people were looking over or glossing over um, that I think you got to pay attention to. I mean, just as a Chiefs fan, I'll tell you, Miko Hardman is not a good player yet. Um, he, he doesn't know how to run routes. Almost every time Mahomes throws him the ball, he ends up yelling at him after the fact that he didn't run the route right. Uh, he doesn't come back to the ball. He he rounds his routes off so the defender can undercut him. So he's just not good enough. Um, you got to pay attention to that. Don't just look at the guy. Hey, he's really fast. He's in a good offense. That that's not all there is. As a Chiefs fan, that's quite an admission. <laughs> well, I'll also tell you that Tyreek is one of the best receivers in the league. So no no debate there. <laughs> Maybe the best, but we'll I mean, get into I think that. he cost me like every single semifinals matchup that I was against him in. Yeah. After one quarter, all he need was one quarter to like just ruin me. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's really important when you're when you're trying to make rankings and trying to do projections. It's important that you don't just think about this guy's forty time. You know, this guy has a great quarterback. What, how good is the guy? You know, so study people who know what they're talking about and t- who talk about how good is this guy as a route runner and how overall good of a football player is he? Because that's going to make a big difference. Terry McLaurin is definitely one of those good yeah, players. Great player. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, I would love to see what he would do with, um, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's been good even with bad quarterbacks. And yeah, that's how I you imagine know. him just with like, Mahomes. Yeah, just like Allen Robinson. When you see those guys produce with bad quarterbacks, you know that guy is good. Yep. Right. Now now going on to our graveyard topic called tight ends, um, I guess Kelsey would be in this regard the undertaker because, <laughs> uh, you know, he was just burying anybody that didn't have him. And uh, it was Kelsey and everyone else. Yeah, I, uh, he won a bunch of leagues for me. Yep. I had him all over the place. If mm-hmm. you know me, I w- my heaviest owned players were Kelsey and Kittle. Mm-hmm. The problem is in 40% of my Kelsey leagues, I did a double stack of Kelsey and then I got Kittle on the turn. I was going all in. So, whoops. That hurt. Yep. Yeah. Good uh, idea, I was, though. Uh, yeah, I was, I was a little weight over. I was a little bit overweight on Mark Andrews that busted on me, and I was heavy on Waller, which was a hit for the most part. Um, I was wrong on Higby. Whoops! Again, mm-hmm. that was us or me in particular falling for bad coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, we did not know what a situation would be. We thought since he got a fat contract that that would result in. Him getting loose targets and him getting a big role. No. And since he balled out at the end of last year. Yeah. I, I mean, they changed their scheme. Yeah. It seemed like he was just set to blow up. Yeah. We, we were talking about would they be running the 12 formation and they decided to go against that. And all of a sudden they, uh, they just weren't using him. Even though he actually has been running a ton of routes, he just doesn't get targeted. 
Yeah, every and, time he does get targeted, something great happens. And they still run sure. a lot of 12, man. I mean, Higby's out there a ton. It, it, usually his snap percentage is about 80%, but they don't target him much. Gerald Everett is, has gotten more targets on the year, I think. So it's just like, man, I don't know if that's Goff or, or McVay or what, but it's McVay. frustrating. If you told me that, like, you know, it was week one, and you told me that through 13 weeks um, that Higby would have, I don't know, run a route on 40-plus snaps a game. Mm-hmm. I and would 80% assume, of snaps. Or, or 80%, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that he would be a you know, a top three tight end. If yeah. you gave, if you told me that, which is why we were drafting him, <laughs> it was the right. That's the thing. And that, in that case, it's not the process. The process was right. It's just, you can't predict sometimes what a coach is going to do or, or even a quarterback. Well, that might make the process wrong. Maybe, maybe we need to just, uh, you know, factor in McVeigh a little bit more. Move, or, yeah, forward. that's true. Or, or when there's a dual tight end situation that has to factor into your process, you right. got to avoid those. Maybe. Moving on to those mid-round tight ends are what I like to just think of as as like the disaster zone. Uh, there was Hawkinson, who you were on. Good job. Golf clap. <laughs> and then there was uh, everybody else. Goddard got hurt. Gusecki never got the targets, uh, especially, uh, you know, once there was a quarterback change. Kronkowski was a miss most of the season. He's been doing a little bit better. And he's but, old. But he's old. That upside is clearly gone. Uh, Hunter Henry's been hit or miss. Although no, I feel, he, I, I had him as one of my misses that I should have drafted because he's he's been <laughs> top 10, I'm sure. And he's been one of the more consistent ones, even though he hasn't done much. Yeah, on a normal year, yikes. But yeah. this year, he probably was worth his like eighth round grade. Yeah. Um, Hayden Hurst was a big miss for me. Noah Fant should have been a hit, but... He wasn't. He still doesn't know how to catch the ball. Um, and his targets aren't there. But the Broncos are a mess. It's just That's the offense, a, yeah. He, he's a, he's going to be a good player. Yeah. Oh, he's on his way. Uh, yeah. Blake Jarwin, I think, would have been a huge hit. Yep. Uh, that was just bad luck with injuries. Um, Herndon was a trap play. And uh, you can uh, name the rest. Yeah, Zach Ertz was a big bust. I, I had Oof. him in a few leagues. Um, I'd say the biggest bust for me were Ertz and and Hurst. If you don't count injuries, um, those guys, I I just expected to be easy plug and plays every week. And you know, Hurst has actually been like tight end five. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, it's sort of like a sicky. I mean, he'll give you a one, and then he'll give you fifteen. It's just it's it kills your team because you stick in the one, but he'll never give you twenty five. Right. I mean, I maybe that's just what tight ends have become, but. Um, yeah, I haven't been happy to have Hurst on my team. Like like Logan Thomas, we mentioned earlier, I'd much rather play him than Hurst now because you know you know one of one of the learnings that I'm going to say uh, it has to do with snap counts. I wrote write an article every week for you know snap counts, and um, one of the things that has really surprised me are tight end snaps. And there's guys uh, that get a lot of targets, but they're only running 60 percent. Uh, of snaps, uh, you know, whether it's because they change personnel a lot or whatever. A guy like Logan Thomas, the reason I like him is because he literally plays 100%. And those guys are hard to find. A guy like uh, Kittle's the same way when he's on the field, uh, every single snap. Uh, so that's something I would pay attention to, I will pay attention to going forward. I, I really want to target the tight ends that don't come off the field. Right, that, that'll make tight end hard to analyze going to next year, how high you draft them. Was uh, just how bad it was at the position this year a fluke? Mm-hmm. Was it um, was it just a changing of how um, 
you know, how teams are playing tight end, or is it just half the Titans are getting old and the other half haven't developed yet? It'll it'll be interesting to see. Yep. Uh, only thing I know for sure is Kelsey's tight end one, Kittle is tight end two, and I don't give a damn about anyone else at tight end except for Kyle Pitts out of Florida, who will be a first <laughs> round pick. Yeah. Yeah. Have you I, seen him play? I have not studied any yet, but I've heard his name. He is already a top five tight end in the NFL. Nice. Before even taking one snap, he is that good. Wow. Yeah, and if you have some of these other guys on team, like like you talk, you mentioned Hawkinson, if the Lions can take a step forward with adequate coaching, he has a huge upside. Same thing with Fant. They can take a step forward. There's a lot of young guys that have a lot of potential. They, the teams just have to figure out how to use them. So, um, oh, I'm more it's, excited for firing season for NFL coaches than I am for the draft. Yeah. <laughs> I gonna, really am. It'll make a bigger difference than yeah, the NFL draft. It's true. And actually, that's and you mentioned that earlier, just paying attention to coaching and the tendencies and stuff like that is definitely one of the learnings we've taken out of this. Um, as you do your rankings and projections, you know, don't ignore that. Dwayne McFarland is a guy I listen to a lot. Uh, he has a, as a podcast, the fantasy football hustle, and he has a whole database on coaching and coaching tendencies. Uh, and I'm, the more I think about it, the more I think that's really smart. I'd like to get my hands on that database, but, um, yeah, it's something that, uh, putting in the research on that can really pay off. Uh, so I think, is that all we've got? Well, I think our lesson is kickers and defense. You should stream them. Yes, there was nobody always. worth uh, picking up early. I mean, even, uh, even lots, um, and some of the better kickers for the most part, it's weren't the highest where, 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 uh, you know, I, I like having kickers where I don't have to worry about the missing field goals, but right, exactly. it doesn't matter if they're not taking that many attempts. Yep. I, the, I the, think the it's top totally... kicker is coup. From Atlanta, yeah. probably this year. I'm a I'm a total streamer. I totally agree with that. Uh, last thing I was going to say is, if you're in leagues with uh, free, uh, it's called Fab Free Agency. Ac- uh, what's it called? What's it stand for? Free oh, agent man. acquisition budget. That's it. Acquisition. If you, budget, if you have yeah. where you use Fab, uh, and you don't have any other way to get players, like in the FFPC leagues, save for me. Save at least ten percent for the end. Uh, don't if, do what I did. <laughs> yeah. If you run out, if you have $0 left, it can kill you because you have, like Kyle had quarterbacks, both go out, doesn't have anyone to play, or you have a your yes. kicker goes down, you're, you know, whatever, you can't play anybody, so save Champ- some money. But you don't think my championship round team where my only quarterbacks, um, oh man, are Foles and... Um, Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow. Yeah, those, those two are going to carry me to a title. <laughs> one from, one who's sitting at home and like, a leg cast. Yeah, and if you and had some money left, uh, the you could have gotten the guy like a uh, bench. You could have gotten the Eagles' new guy, and you know he'll get you at least fifteen with his running. So, do you know what's actually kind of hilarious? The guy I was playing against that week, uh, um, put bids up of like two dollars on every single quarterback left, on five quarterbacks, because he didn't notice that I had no fab. <laughs> so he ruined funny. his team, <laughs> trying to beat me in the semifinals. And I had no fab, and then he lost to me anyway because the team put up 180 with no quarterback. But wow. that's not going to do anything in the championship round. So that's a DOA team. So for Kyle, so don't Foles, be like me. If Fo- Nick Foles, if you're listening to this podcast, force your way into the lineup because Kyle needs you. Just pull out like a Nancy Kerrigan or something. <laughs> well, that's, I think, going to do it for us. Hopefully you've learned something from all these learnings. 
uh, because we definitely have learned at the same time we know this is a season unlike any other, hopefully never to be repeated with uh, all the craziness and injuries and COVID. Hopefully next season is easier in most ways, but you know, still all these learnings can, can help. And as you, as you uh, pile up the learnings year after year, you just get better and better. And so hopefully for your own leagues, you're taking time to look at what you got right and what you got wrong. We appreciate you listening. Thanks for uh, being a part of this uh, little community and we hope you'll catch us next time. We're, we're going to come out with some more uh, pods uh, t- telling you about what's coming up in the off season as well. So make sure you check those out for Kyle Leaf and our producer, Mark Bobro. I am Kevin Scott. Have a great night. And good luck if you are in fantasy football finals or in the championship rounds of the FFPC. I hope I beat you. (laughs) See ya.